Alexander Walker to, to guard the inbounder. Giddy's got to get it in. No timeouts. The ball is inbounded to Shea. Temple did not foul. And Shea on the step back still buries the three. And it's tied at 110 with 1.4 seconds. And you know what's interesting about that? He was trying. Paycom Center had one of the craziest finishes I have ever seen last night. No intro needed for this one. I'm your host, Ben Kreider. Today, I'm going to be talking about the OKC Thunder New Orleans Pelicans game, the stars from that one, the major storylines, and some of the top performers, but also how we got to the storybook ending here. I said in yesterday's episode I would be talking about the OKC Blue in this episode. I'm going to put that on the back burner for tomorrow. You got to bear with me. But this game had to have a pod just on its own. One thing that's going to stick around for this one though, like always, I'm going to be giving a very special offer for my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. But just starting out with this game, you got the Thunder looking to get some redemption here. They're looking to catch a W. And then for the Pelicans, they also are a bottom dweller. They actually came into this game uh, worse off than the Thunder. They were 8-21, and whereas the Thunder were 8-18. and So uh, kind of a contest versus number 14 and number 15 here in the Western Conference. And the Pelicans do not have Zion Williamson. He's still dealing with his injuries. They just have Brandon Ingram, and they just have Jonas Valanciunas. But even those two are pretty damn solid. And then for the Thunder, they don't have Lou Dort. So you kind of trade some pretty brutal blows uh, on each side. And you start the game off. The Thunder actually look pretty damn impressive. You get the pairing of SGA and Trey Man. They light it up. SGA goes off for 10 points in the first quarter. Trey Mann picks up 5 points in a span of about a minute. Hits a 3-pointer before dunking it down on Garrett Temple. Got this one off of a beautiful cut inside right at the baseline. Think it came left baseline for the back door. Giddy hits him with a bounce pass and he throws it down one-handed on Temple. Adds that poster collection to 2 had one on Wayne Ellington earlier last week. So if you're a journeyman veteran, you better watch out for Trey Mann because he's dunking all over you. So he gets that dunk down. He gets his three off. And even Aaron Wiggins chipped in. He got a start for this game and he got four points. He had the first basket for the Thunder off of a cut inside. And he also had a one-handed putback slam in the first. So things were looking great for the Thunder. They were up 28-24. to going into that second, and the game continued to sway in their favor too. Yet end up going into halftime up six points. They outscored the Pels 23-21 to in the second quarter. No points coming from SGA, but they were able to outsource them in other areas. Mike Muscala had five quick ones. Ty Jerome had four points. Kenrich Williams off the bench goes three of four. Two of two from downtown to pick up eight. He already had 11 by halftime, 
and they kind of just pioneered that little lead. And when you look at it, they did a hell of a job defense, uh, defensively against the Pelicans because the number one option who was unstoppable in their previous meeting in Jonas Valanciunas was pretty much silenced. He went three of five, but he only went three of five. It could have been way worse. This was kind of a similar case to what we saw from Christian Wood in the three games the Rockets have faced the Thunder this season. And the, kind of in the sense that, hey, I mean, Christian Wood is going to be efficient against this team. He's an athletic big man. They don't have any true fives to defend him. Even if you clog that paint, as long as you get the entry pass, he's going to cash in. And the one time that Christian Wood got stood up, I think he, he actually got held to like nine minutes in the game, but he didn't score. Uh, and the other ones, he's dropping 20 pieces. I think he had 32 and 20 in the other contest. But yeah, just got to silence the big, start from the paint, and it worked to perfection. Brandon Ingram had 14 points by half, but that was A-OK. Going to the second half, you're up. You're looking to cash in. Put that lead up to double digits and potentially just get the Pelicans out of the game. But they could not shake them. Three more points going in the Pels' favor. They go into this one. The Thunder, at least. They're up three going into the fourth quarter. The big deal here, Josh Giddy went into his own. He had nine points in the frame. SGA had 11. And then for the Pelicans, this is when you start seeing the starters go off. Brandon Ingram goes crazy at the foul line. He gets six of his eight points at the stripe. And then Jonas Valanciunas also got six of his own. So it sets the stage for a fourth quarter where neither side has been able to take advantage. Kind of just a feeling out process through the entirety of this one. There were a lot of lead changes and a lot of ties. I'll get into that in one second here. But yeah, this was not a sturdy lead for the Thunder really by any stretch of the imagination going into the fourth. So they're kind of just trotting along here. They're barely slipping by. Four-point lead, two-point lead, tie here and there. They can never shake them, and it's because the paint play was just too much. Valanchunas was able to get the first two baskets for the Pels. Garrett Temple actually got a three-pointer down, and then Valanchunas got a three-pointer down all in the span of the first two minutes. It put them on a pretty impressive run here where they ran out to a 10-3 run. Puts them up 85-81, to and then the Thunder had to call a timeout. This is when Mike Muscala gets into his own, though. Two pretty much identical setup shots. Right wing, gets it off the catch, goes up, and Garrett Temple clips his hand. First time, it was a foul. There was no real discussion Muscala goes up for three, sticks them all in. And then the second time, Garrett Temple, he looked shocked about the call. And it actually forced Willie Green's hand into calling the challenge. Unsuccessful. Muscala goes up for three more, hits them all. So he gets nine points in a batch of about two minutes. And then it's a one-point game again. And then it keeps moving back and forth once again. Devontae Graham's hitting threes. A Muscala putback dunk puts up the Thunder by one. Giddy's going at it for points. Just every single person is just moving this back and forth. A little teeter-totter almost going into the stretch of this game. And it just stays that way. I mean, there is no lead past five, I believe, that you saw in this quarter. But going into the final stretch, this is when it became important. Brandon Ingram, he started going into a tear starting at the three-minute mark. He had three consecutive makes, 
had a driving layup, a driving dunk, and then had a 12-footer right in the face of Darius Baisley to get them up 106-102 to inside two minutes. And this is when you start subbing in your actual starters yet again. Kenrich Williams was not the starter, like I said, so Aaron Wiggins got extra time here. Derek Favors, not the starter. Plug in Jeremiah Robinson Earl and hope things go in your direction. So they get a stop on Brandon Ingram again. He tried the same exact 12-footer. On the other end, SGA can't hit a shot. You end up getting Baisley out for a three-pointer. He misses. Graham on the other end misses a nine-foot pull-up. It's still a one-point game with 30 seconds to go. They need to find something here. Giddy takes it off a rebound. Guns it over to SGA. 25-foot shot. Hits it off the glass. It's a one-point game. 106 to 105. 28 seconds to go. And then the Pelicans are just sitting on the basketball. No timeout needed. Just put him in ISO. He finds Darius Baisley. Takes it right to him. 18-foot pull-up. Nothing but net. Three-point game for the Pels. Eight seconds remaining. OKC ends up calling a timeout. They inbound the basketball to SGA. And then there's an intentional foul immediately handed out to him. Took all of about a second and a half. And it puts him up to the charity stripe for two shots. Hits them both. One point game with 5.6 to go. You're looking to get an inbound stop here. The Pelicans call a timeout initially to get it uh, to their, uh, their sideline. And then... Off of that pass, got completely stuffed. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was just doing jumping jacks in the air. There was a really nice switch between Aaron Wiggins and I believe Kenrich Williams. Stuffed up the two guys that were on the Pelicans half of the floor. And then for the Thunder's side, both of those were clamped. Had to call a timeout. Josh Hart smartly chooses to call a timeout and they get a second inbound in. This one is clean. Goes right to the man, Brandon Ingram. He gets hacked with 4.5 seconds to go. He hits both of his foul shots, and now it is 110 to 107. Mark Dagnalt had to call a timeout here, set up a new play. Now he's checking it in off of that sideline as well, and it gets to SGA at the left wing, and that's where the intro clip comes into play. He gets it. Takes one dribble to the right to align himself more at the top of the key. Gets even more of a boost because he sidesteps right to get that extra step. Launches a prayer after Garrett Temple looked to be grabbing onto him. And it's nothing but net. Tie ball game. 2.3 seconds to go in this one. Looked like it was going to overtime. The dust had been settled. S SGA sticks the much-needed tire, and then you have no timeouts for the Pels. They're just going to have to send off a prayer, even if they choose to throw it. So the ball ends up in the hands of Josh Hart. He throws it in bounds to uh, Devontae Graham, who's cutting from left to right. He's pretty much in the painted area of his own basket, though, so not much thought to it. Gets the ball, takes maybe one dribble or two, and then he's faced with Kenrich Williams. He closes out on the shot. He still gets into his form, though. Heaves up a 61-footer backboard. It's good. Pelicans win the game 113-110. to This is the furthest 
buzzer beater in over 25 years. The only close one was Tyreek Evans when he played for the Sacramento Kings. Full 11-foot difference here. His was 50. Devontae's was 61. So he sticks it. Everyone from the Pelican side is rushing him. Then they all run into the locker room. SGA's face was ridiculous. I mean, he was in a state of shock. Everybody was in a state of shock. But specifically him, he was done. After hitting what he hit to just see it get one-upped like that, it was bad. And then for everybody in attendance, of course, that is a crazy finish. Chris Fisher, kind of giving me flashbacks from that Timberwolves game when Adams threw a football pass to pretty much win the game. Uh, he was getting real expressive. Everybody was. If you listen to the Pelican side, Antonio Daniels, who used to work for Fox Sports Oklahoma, was on the call for that one. And here is what his reaction was to that play. And the play. Is he going to get there? Got to foul him. And they do. He fouled him. He fouled him. Garrett Temple tried to foul him. 1.4 to play out of timeouts. Garrett Temple reads for him. Didn't get him. And gives Shea Gilchrist Alexander credit as Devontae sends it. Oh! Gets it! Gets it! The game winner! Oh, wow! Devontae Graham stuns him in Oklahoma City. Yeah, so as you guys can tell, they were going ridiculous about this game winner as well. You can't really fault them. Um, the, the foul with Garrick Temple, it looked like he was trying to foul him. Like he did have his arms wrapped around SGA, but it was never like anything serious. So, you know, they should have called the foul, but it wasn't like a hard foul where SGA couldn't do anything. Like he had his full range of motion. That's obviously why he drilled that three. And honestly, I bet he was surprised he was even able to take that three, uh, given the circumstances. They already fouled him uh, a play later. So you're anticipating that pressure not getting that call and then hitting it, that's big time. So, yeah, to see that go in, that sucked a lot for the Thunder. It was one hell of a game for them. They dropped to 8-19 and 19 with the loss. The Pelicans now have their ninth win, so they have surpassed the Thunder in the rankings. But there were still a lot of good takeaways from this game. I'm going to be giving you all of that in one second. But first, I want to let you guys know about the special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. You score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. 
one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, just moving forward to the actual statistics from this game, already brought the historical value up. This is the longest shot for a game winner we've seen in 25 years. This was ridiculous. This was not the only crazy sequence uh, last night in the NBA. You had Okoro dunking on three separate Houston Rockets members. Looked like bowling pins falling to the ground. You had Austin Reeves hitting a game winner in overtime for the Lakers. I think this one trumps them all, though. And it does suck a lot because you look at the box score here. Oklahoma City looked great from all areas. They shot 41% from the floor, 37% from three, which is their best we've seen in a cool minute. But they also shot 19 of 19 from the foul line. It's got to be the first time we've seen this all season long. At least from what what I've seen, I think it's got to be up there with their best performances at the charity stripe. As for the opposition, the Pelicans, they shot 36 foul shots. They started 18 to 2 in that column, obviously got evened out as the game progressed, but yeah, they had a lot of tries there. They went 24 of 36, so had they just hit their foul shots, this wouldn't have been a contest. Also wouldn't have been a contest without three members of the Thunder roster. I'll get into them in a second here. But you break down the stats, Brandon Ingram looked good, really good in the clutch there, had the six consecutive points, had some crucial foul shots, and he was eating Darius Baisley alive. 34 points and eight rebounds for him, went 11 of 15 from the line. Jonas Valanciunas ended up ticking it up in that second half, had 13 second half points to get him to 19 points on the game to go along with 16 rebounds. Josh Hart had 11 And then Devontae Graham, who's the star of the game for the Pels, he hits that miracle shot to put him to 15 points, 4 rebounds, and 8 assists. But I really want to look at the OKC Thunder side of this because I broke down the numbers. This was a really good game for them. This was their game to win, and they just were not able to get it together. But there were multiple different efforts that were necessary for this team to stay alive. The Pelicans had resources the entire night. As for the Thunder, a lot of what was going on was just a one-man band uh, multiple different times. You'd see guys like Trey Mann put up five in a hurry. Mike Muscala had a lot of points in bunches. I think he had the nine in that fourth quarter. And then SGA obviously had to turn up late. So you kind of had that little uh, storyline going on the entire night, but it got him close. So looking at the number one player from this game, it's got to be SGA. There's no Lou Dort in the fold, so you have to have your star at his highest level. This was the best game we saw from him in probably over a month, at least uh, as a total collective is concerned. SGA was shooting below 30% from three over the last, I think, 11 games going into this contest. He couldn't find any sort of rhythm. Goes in here, goes 4 of 8 from the perimeter. Obviously, that big one at the end there is the exclamation mark, but he needed that shot to go down. He's finally broken that funk, and because of it, he tapped in that third level. He was lethal everywhere, got up to 33 points on the night. Really didn't have to work much as a distributor. His job kind of just rested uh, as a scorer because he only had one assist. Goes 10 of 25 from the floor though so 
he looked great, I, I think, just about everywhere. The one thing is obviously the foul line, and he didn't look great in the first half. Now, he had double digits by halftime, but he only had one foul shot attached to his name. Goes into that second half, completely transfigured, uh, transfigured his game to get inside, gets eight foul shots, hits all of them, and then he was just rocking and rolling. So he was insane. You break it down. He had 23 of those 33 points in that second half. And then he divvied it up pretty equally among those two quarters. I think he had 11 points in quarter three and 12 in quarter number four. But yeah, this was just another star performance from SGA. No different here. It's been a little while since we've seen him operate in the clutch and operate just so smoothly. This was a game where you needed to put the basketball in his hands every time you did so, and it looks like he delivered uh, at the end there, and I truthfully believe if this game went into overtime, he would have been knocking on the door of his career high in scoring, which was, I think, only seven or eight points away, so he was really, really close there. I think this builds some real momentum heading into his next game on Saturday, they could also build some momentum for Kenrich Williams as well, and I thought Kenrich Williams was going to be playing as the starting two for this game. Lou Dort away from play, you would imagine the closest thing on the roster is Kenrich Williams, and it is the easily the closest player you're going to find to Dort, but they wanted to give Wiggins that starting job. It was fine though, because Kenrich Williams ended up playing 26 minutes, that's pretty much a starting portion that he's going to find there, and it wasn't supposed to come that way, I don't believe, because Trey Mann was actually running as that sixth man, playing as that starting two down the stretch, but he actually picked up his sixth personal foul off of a successful, unsuccessful challenge in the sense that there was a foul ruled on SGA off of a transition layup. They looked at the tape. Technically, it's a successful challenge, but what they did is they moved the foul from SGA to Trey Mann. He had five quick ones in this game. He gets axed after 23 minutes, after looking like a hell of a shot creator in this one. So that's when Williams had to get plugged in, and he provided much-needed offense as well as defense. And it's interesting because Kenridge Williams has played pretty bad against the Pelicans. Now, you got to take it with a grain of salt here because he's only had three shots prior to Wednesday's game, and he was playing in a condensed bench roll, and really all three of them, but the averages are not pretty here. Average two points, two rebounds, and .7 assists across 10.3 minutes. His high had been a four-point game. So he had a four-point game, a two-point game, and then a game where he went really blank. Uh, in this scoring column so he didn't have any sort of production against his former team as we all know the Pelicans really just tossed him out of the rotation he, he really just a giveaway in the Steven Adams deal I think he was included alongside Joshua Gray and Zylan Cheatham Joshua Gray I'm pretty sure he's overseas now Zylan's with the Birmingham squadron but Kenrich Williams is an established NBA player now, and the contract they gave was a sign-and-trade three-year, $6 million contract, one of the biggest budget beasts in the league, and he proved it last night. He goes out there, he already smashes his previous high with 11 points by halftime, four of five shooting from the floor, 
but then he ends it going for 17 points and has three rebounds to go along with it goes five of six from downtown that ties his best output from three uh, in his career so five that was that money mark he ends up hitting it and he was explosive on the defensive side as well had that major stop that almost led to a five second count in the final 10 seconds of play but then he also was able to get a duo of steals as well the big thing when i look at williams is just the production he ends up bringing to the rotation anytime you toss him in he's going to be a major plus plus 20 in plus minus for this game that was the best you're going to find on the team the second highest was trey mann but it was evident when kenrich williams was out there okc was running at its best the pelicans were stomping the thunder at some point here they had a 24 to 14 run in the second quarter that's through the first nine minutes you insert kenrich williams for the final three okc goes on a 17 to 10 tangent and it's closed out by a kenny hustle corner three hits it gets them in the driver's seat and gives them the lead going into that final quarter obviously they didn't end up winning this one but he was giving every little effort to put them in that position so he deserves a lot of praise here anytime they need reliable sources you go to kenny hustle because he's able to just conform to whatever is necessary he plays as that catch and shoot piece if not you let him run rampant in the mid-range he's able to put up some baskets he's had a lot of turnarounds in his arsenal and then also as a cutter he's looked pretty damn solid so he gives you everything you need offensively but then his skill set on defense being able to guard the twos and the threes and sometimes even the fours gives him uh, kind of some traits that you're not going to find elsewhere on this okc thunder bench and it makes him a guy that you can consistently play in a starting unit and there's not going to really be a decline in production he did everything he needed to and he almost got revenge taking over a year the quote that i used in my si uh story was you know revenge is a dish best served cold williams was 161 footer away from being able to dish out the revenge and oh boy that would have been sweet for him so now that little curse has been snapped between himself and the pelicans hopefully for next game he's able to go past 17 points and then the thunder can obviously notch that w as well but i think the third best player here was another member off of the bench the bench points were off the charts for the thunder they eclipsed i think 50 in this one big reason not only kenrich but also mike muscala he goes in there plays 14 minutes has 16 points to show for it that's the highest scoring output he's had in over a month and it's the third time this year where he's had more points than he's had minutes in games he's had a 20 point outing in a span of like 18 minutes i believe already too so this goes probably as his second best performance of the season and he only went two of four from downtown he was able to get it inside with his putback dunk but also you have to look at his play from the perimeter those two left or excuse me right wing threes that got the fouls from garrett temple they swayed this one heavily get six quick points had another basket uh, before as well as after that play and it put him on a major major run not just for himself but also for the team and he did it twice 
in the second quarter, the Thunder were letting this one slip away. This is what I'm talking about, how they had one guy plug in and save them time and time again. Muscala was that man. He had a catch-and-shoot three and a fadeaway for five straight points, put the icing on the cake of a 12-4 Thunder run, giving them their highest scoring lead of the game. They were up 12 at one point in that second quarter. And then you look at the fourth frame where it's a one possession contest. He didn't play at all in the third quarter, jumps right in. And then in three minutes, that's where he gets that three point shot, the six free throws. And then also he was able to get that little dunk inside there to collect his 16. So just two little stints giving him all of that. If they really wanted to, they could put Muscala in for 25 minutes, and this is a completely different story. They probably end up winning this game. They decide not to. I think this is just a matter of getting the young guys time, preserving the veterans' trade value. I don't think they're actually going to trade Muscala, but just keeping him in the mix every once in a while, getting him ready and acclimated, uh, and that's about it. That's the end of the story there. You just got to find that healthy medium where the youngsters get time, Muscala gets time, but also, hey, if this does come down to one possession game, uh, if the Thunder do lose, you're getting more ping pong balls come April. So it is what it is. It's a mutually beneficial relationship to some degree because Mike's getting in for tiny spurts. He's being insanely productive. He's getting that name value. And then for the Thunder, you know, they're getting that production, of course. They're getting the veteran leadership. But hey, losing games every once in a while has not been that bad. We saw what it did last season, netted them Josh Giddy. And for a class like this, where there's four or five guys that are still in the conversation for pick number one, uh, you want to have as many shots at that top pick as possible. So those were the top three. Even outside that, though, Josh Giddy arguably had his best game as a pro, wasn't able to tap into the three-pointer. He only shot one of five from there. But overall, this was one of his closest games to a triple-double. He had 17 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists in a season-high, or I guess a career-high now, 37 minutes. Goes 8 of 18 from the floor. You subtract his three-point outings. He goes 7 of 13 on twos. Just a dominant force when it comes to runners and floaters. Nobody's going to stop him in that area. And then even at the foul line when he gets hot, it becomes a problem. No foul shots on this game, but it just kind of gives you the insight of what him at the foul line would give you. That would give you a career high easily. He would have broken that 20-point threshold. And the fact he was able to get 17 really strictly off of the interior alone. If you want to take that one away, whatever. 14 points came off of layups. That is impressive. He's six foot eight, So you sort of already know that it's a positional mismatch. And when he gets inside, it's lethal because you got to get guys like Jonas stepping up. Herbert Jones has to step up. And as a result, he's able to kick it back out top to centers or dump it off down low or hit guys out in the corner seven assists on this game that's a team high and he only had one turnover his assist to turnover ratio is pretty damn solid I believe it leads qualified rookies I'll have to get back to that uh, whenever I talk a little bit more in depth on Josh Giddy. but his playmaking is at an astute level just has to get it from downtown and then you're looking at him dropping those 20 pieces but oh my goodness 
he had a really good game for himself. Moving beyond that, Aaron Wiggins in his second career start looked pretty good. Four points on the game, one steal off of a very impressive play. This came in the first quarter as well. Literally dived and saved a ball under his opposing baseline. So had he gotten this over to a Pelicans defender, would have been a four on five mismatch. Probably would have garnered some points for them, but he got it over to his own teammate, got it going the other way. Just an energy guy. You love seeing those types of plays. I think he's kind of proved that he is the better of the two two-way guys and potentially could be in the bag uh, for a call-up if a roster spot ever presents itself. But yeah, he looked great. Went 0 of 2 from 3. I'm not all that worried. I think he's going to have more minutes going into the next one. He did not get recalled today, unlike some other OKC members. So that's a good thing to look at there. Darius Baisley, this was not a very good game for him. Only played 24 minutes. I would have expected some more from him. He wasn't really in foul trouble, uh, but he only had two points and two rebounds on this game. Went one of four from the field and then 0 of two. Both of those shots came off of some potential assists at the wing. Derek Favors only went one of seven five rebounds and four assists, so I guess that's the silver lining. And then Jeremiah Robinson Earl also couldn't hit shots. He went one of six, 0 of four from distance. So this group that looked pretty damn good in the last game from downtown against the Mavs, I guess I, I'd say the Mavs was probably the big one. Yeah. You have Bays going three of six from distance. Jeremiah's going three of six from distance. And Favors goes two of two on a 17-footer and a 21-footer off of assists. You would think that they would be in the fold and they'd be getting a lot of points off the catch and shoot. They were pretty much non-existent. And that's why you saw a lot of guard-heavy stat lines in this game. And it doesn't end here because Trey Mann was arguably... The biggest highlight reel of the game. He ends up breaking his defender's ankles off of a between the legs. Thomas Sadaransky was the victim on that one. Started at the left wing, drives inside, reaches that elbow. Then he hits that aforementioned uh, between the legs and then takes it inside for a scoop and score. And then he also had the poster I talked about in the first quarter. Wayne Ellington's on the board, Garrett Temple's on the board, the next man in line, if you're looking at veterans, would be Reggie Jackson for Saturday's game, so, you know, positionally it matches up, point guard versus point guard, maybe Trey Mann adds the list to three, and does it against a guy in Reggie Jackson who kind of has a little bit of beef with the Thunder organization, so that would be a nice little touch, that is going to be another home game in their homestand. They have five in a row. This is uh, going to be game number three for them. They got the Clippers. Then they have the Grizzlies on Monday. And then they have the Denver Nuggets on Wednesday. So if you guys ever want to go see a game, now would be an opportune time just due to the structure of this homestand. And if you want to see some OKC Blue games, they are starting their Winter Showcase Single Elimination Tournament next week. They will have one more matchup against the Stockton Kings this week before going into that. I believe the game will be held on Friday. And they even have an event. Characters from Frozen should be at that game. So want to have a photo op with them uh, by all means. You can be in attendance for that one. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.